You're listening to Sunday Worship at Weddington Methodist Church. Find more ways to worship, fellowship, serve, study, and be supported at WeddingtonChurch.org. I invite you to take your Bibles, if you will, and turn with me to Jeremiah 31. Jeremiah 31, familiar passage of Scripture that we like to use at the beginning of the year. Now, I want to also say welcome to everyone. We're glad that uh, we have the opportunity to worship God together today. For all of you that are worshiping online, what a privilege it is to join the new year with you. Some have asked, why is your face so red? In case you were wondering with that, well, I want to be able to explain that to you. Nancy got me a tanning bed for Christmas. And those instructions are not, I'm kidding, that's not true. It's not true. But isn't that a neat story? I mean, wouldn't that have been really cool? It's not true. Actually, if you turn in your Bibles to Exodus 34, you'll see that every time Moses would go be with God, his face would turn red. So there you go. Of course, that's not the case either here. The truth of the matter is, uh, some of you know, my brother that passed away about six weeks ago, um, it began a couple years ago with a melanoma. And so I go every year to a dermatologist and, um, you know, just to get checked out. And uh, we were talking about it and decided, you know, we can treat different things as they come up because I ride a motorcycle. I'm out in the sun a lot. So we decided to do the treatment with the cream that will then, you know, kill any uh, cells that might be there that you can't even see. So uh, I needed a window of opportunity. So I confirmed with Pastor Rocio last week, you know, right, right after Christmas, I said, now you're still good for the 31st, right? You're on, right? Yes. So then I started applying the cream. Last Sunday, I was the color of the carpet. You know, so just letting you know. So I thought those lights and that face just would not go well together. So um, uh, we are now at the stage that we are. But I will tell you this. Of all of your staff, as of this moment, I am by far the most appealing. See, the praise service would have hit the drums. <laughs> those are free, by the way. I don't charge you for those. They're just kind of... Nah, it is indeed a privilege. I do want, in all seriousness, want to take a moment, too, and say thank you for your faithfulness. Um, we just shared in the offering, and um, because of your faithfulness last year with this church, we were able to fulfill all of our financial commitments that we wanted to make with, uh, whether it was ministry in Costa Rica, in Kenya, you have the Home of the Good Shepherd. It's an orphanage that this church had started uh, years ago. So we have children there that come off the streets. You have provided them a place to stay. You've provided them food. You provide them clothing. You have a church in Bulgaria. You have a church in Romania. We are partners with Turning Point, which deals with battered and abused women and children, Common Heart, where we feed those who are hungry, the shelters where we're able to house the homeless, crisis ministries for those who are going through difficult times. And I just want you to hear the good news. Because of your faithfulness, 
we were able to completely fulfill every commitment that we wanted to make and had, had tried to offer to all of these various ministries and missions, including our own children, youth, adults, et cetera, here in the life of the church. So I want to say thank you. And we look forward to seeing what, how God will use this church in the coming years. Jeremiah chapter 31, beginning at verse 31. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant that I made with their ancestors. When I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, a covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law within them. I'll write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people no longer shall they teach one another or say to each other, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. Will you pray with me? Almighty God, we are so grateful for your love and grace and for the privilege of being your church, the privilege of worship the privilege to study your holy word together. And God, as I stand before these, your people, this is your church. I pray that this will be your message and not my own in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 200 years. It's hard to believe, but this year, this church is 200 years years old. Now think about that. When our nation was only 48 years old, a group of Christians in this community gathered together on this corner to talk about what would it be like to be the church. We, we should build a church for the people called Methodists. We, we need to be able to worship God together. We want to be able to, to study the scripture together. We want to be able to be a witness of who Jesus Christ is. We want to be able to serve those who are hurting, those who are struggling, those who need to feel the embrace of the loving arms of God somehow around them. 200 years. Now we began across the road at the original church campus area. But 200 years ago, now here's some trivia for you and, and church staff, you cannot answer this question. What was the original name of this church? Sandy Ridge. It was the Sandy Ridge Methodist Church. And if you wonder how it got its name, just go outside and see how hard a time we have getting grass to grow around here. It's not the easiest thing to do, and there's a sandy rock ridge that goes right through here. This church is sitting on the highest elevation in Union County, so the good news is everyone else looks up to you. <laughs> but this is known as Sandy Ridge Methodist Church in 1824. In 1899, the church was renamed the Weddington Methodist Church 
uh, when we received land and gifts like the whole community did from Mr. Weddington, who is actually buried across the street in our church graveyard there. 200 years, 200 years of worshiping God, serving God. And now it's not only the beginning of a new year, it's a new century of ministry in this church. Can you think about that? I mean, I find that so intriguing, no pressure, but you're the church that generations will look back on and go, and then it was just 100 years ago in, in 2024 when Weddington and whatever it is they'll say about us. The baton is now being handed over to us to be that church for the generations that are to come in this community and in this church and in this world. It's exciting. 200 years. Now, we're not sure exactly the date that the church was formed. We know in 1823, there was discussion about it. The church was actually built and formed in 1824. So we are now the 200 years down the road from that. But throughout the year, we'll have times of celebration. On Pentecost Sunday in May, when we celebrate the birth of the church in Acts chapter 2, we'll have a big celebration as well. 200 years. So what's the message for the church for the next 200 years? I love the scripture in Jeremiah. We tend to use it frequently for the first Sunday of the new year because it's God renewing a covenant with us. It's a great time to think again about who are we and recommitting our lives to God. Now, Jeremiah had been given a difficult task. It wasn't an easy thing to be a prophet. And the other thing I want you to know for Jeremiah, he was a teenager. He was actually in the youth group. Jeremiah was young. It's the reason, too, that it's in Jeremiah that we, we hear that scripture often used when we do a baptism, when Jeremiah is resisting, going, I'm too young to, to do what you're asking me to do. God said, before you were ever born, I knew who you were. While you were still in your mother's womb, I consecrated you. But Jeremiah's task was to look out at the people of God and warn them. See, God had called the people of Israel to be the vessel that God would use to share this covenant with the whole world. To be the vessel that, that we would be able to hear about God's love for all the people of God's creation. And, and Israel, the land... Well, that was a holy land. Many of us were hoping to be able to go there in April. We've had to put that on hold now with the war. It breaks your heart to see what's happening in the holy land. But it was a holy land. Jerusalem was the holy city. There in the city on the mountain is, is the temple, the temple of God. And it was a symbol of the presence of God among the people. And, and it was such a beautiful place. And and now, unfortunately, Jeremiah had to warn them. You see, God had tried to tell them when he was bringing them into the land, my biggest fear is you're going to forget. When you move into this land that flows with milk and honey, when you've built your fine homes, when your crops have multiplied and your cattle have multiplied and you're doing so well, it's going to be very easy for you to forget, to begin to take your faith for granted, to take me for granted as your guide. Be careful, don't forget. Well, they were forgetting. You know, over the years, and our country's only 
couple hundred years old and just kind of think about it that even in our young nation, how much we've forgotten. You can read Jeremiah and look at the United States and lay them over top of each other and have an interesting read someday. It was easy to forget things because there was apostasy where people just walked away from their faith. There was idolatry because there were so many different people, groups, and cultures around that that rather than being focused on this is our God, they began to follow other gods. They began to worship idols. They began to ignore the Sabbath, which is when the people of God were called to come together for a time of worship and to to be in the presence of God and fellowship with God. And, And Jeremiah is trying to warn them. God calls Jeremiah. Jeremiah in 626 BC before the Christ or before the Christian era and, and Jeremiah is trying to warn them only 20 years later within 20 years Jeremiah Jerusalem rather is partly destroyed and, and then you know the story that in 586 587 BC the Babylonians come in Israel is taken captive. Jerusalem is destroyed and burned. The temple of God, the beautiful temple of God is leveled. Leveled. And the question begins to be asked, if the house of God is destroyed, did that mean God moved out of the neighborhood? If the house of God is destroyed, did that mean God moved out of the neighborhood. The captivity occurs and one of the things that you often would see is that they would come in and when a new empire would take over and they would take some of the influential people, some of the leaders and others and and, and gather them up and lead them away, tied to carts and lead them away to another part of the empire, bring other people to live in your home and to settle in your community to try to break up that spirit of identity and oneness. It was a horrible time that Jeremiah is having to address as God just completely turned his back on us. And then God gives a vision of hope. When you read Jeremiah, it's an interesting read because you see all the warnings and the devastation. And then there's a turn in Jeremiah to the hope and the rebuilding. Here's a message of hope because God said, I haven't forgotten you. I'm not abandoning you, but I'm going to create a new covenant with you. It's not going to be like the old one. When I led your ancestors out of slavery in Egypt and they cried to me and I heard their cry and I delivered them to this new land, the covenant that they broke. Did you catch how God said that? The covenant that they broke and listen to it. He goes, though I was their husband. I mean, God's not looking for a religion. He's looking for a relationship. We had a covenant. They broke it, even though I was their husband. We were were in this relationship together. But the new covenant, it's going to be different than that. I'm going to place this one within them. I'm going to write my law on their hearts. I'll be their God. They'll be my people. I'm willing to forgive them. I'm willing to forgive them. Not ignore it. Forgiving. Forgiveness is not ignoring what happened. Forgiveness deals with it, doesn't ignore it. I'm going to forgive them. Not only that, I'll forget it. 
And I just find that so interesting. Now, one of the things, not to mess things up for us as parents and grandparents, but I grew up hearing people say, now you know, especially when you're dealing with your brothers and sisters, the Bible says forgive and forget. Just so you know, it does not say that. <laughs> Doesn't say it. It says God forgives and forgets. That's divine forgiveness. For us, the challenge is forgiving while remembering. That's the challenge. For us, forgiveness occurs when the memory no longer interferes. That's forgiveness, right? But God says, not only will I forgive, I'll even take it to the next level. I will forget it. We will clean slate, start this all over. Now, here's one of the things that I find so interesting and that I love when I read this scripture is notice the word I in this scripture because God's doing all the effort. God's the one who's saying, I'm going to create a new covenant. I'm going to place it within them. I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they'll be my people. I will forgive them and remember it no more. And the reason I find that so interesting is who's the innocent party in this? It's God. And who's the one who's making the move? It's God. Who had the right to withdraw and abandon and go forget it? I begged you. I encouraged you. I brought you here. And, and when you go... And they broke it, though I was their husband. God had every right within the law of God to walk away. And yet it's God who said, but I'll never leave you. God is doing the work here. Now, yesterday was January the 6th. Yesterday was Epiphany. It's one of the holy days in the life of the church. It's the end of the 12 days of Christmas. And just so that you all can always remember that, I know I've shared it with you before, but repetition is how we remember. The 12 days of Christmas are not before Christmas. There was a news station that kept talking about, we're in the 12 days of Christmas as they were getting closer to Christmas, like counting it down from the 12th. And I'm sitting there going... <laughs> Right? The 12 days of Christmas are from Christmas to January the 6th, Epiphany, the manifestation of God when we celebrate the coming of the wise men, which is why you've been singing some of the songs that you've been singing today. And, and, and it's, it's a holy time. It's the reason why, you know, in our culture, we have a tendency, you know, we, the day after Thanksgiving, we put up our lights and we take them down oftentimes the day after Christmas. We leave our lights up until after January the 6th for a couple of reasons. One, it's a witness to our community that we're celebrating the 12 days of Christmas. And the other is it gives us an excuse not to do it right after Christmas. But I just find it, you know, so interesting. You know, our, our daughter's going to have a baby and we're so excited. And, you know, we're, we're already doing things. We had a stocking up with her name on it. And, you know, Nancy's already like, look what I got. You know, look what came today. Look what came. To, you know, we got the little shoes. I mean, aren't they cute little shoes like that? I mean, why do you need treads on the shoes? Well, we got them. I mean, it, it is just so cute. You know, we're so excited. But we don't build up for the birth of the baby and then go, glad that's over, and go home. Now, the 12 days of Christmas, like, we had a baby, and we now celebrate, and we keep going, 12 days of Christmas. But the word epiphany actually means a manifestation of God. That's what epiphany is about, with God revealing to the world, including the wise men who were not part of the Jewish faith, this is for all the world. The God is doing something new and incredible 
for all the world. He said, I'm going I'm to create a new covenant. It's not going to be like the other one. And we just celebrated Christmas where God revealed himself to the world, came into the world. Epiphany, he manifested himself to the, to the whole world. And then this child will grow up and right before he dies, he'll join together with his disciples in the upper room. And after they celebrate the Passover, which is a meal that reminds them and symbolizes that whole journey out of slavery in Egypt, he will do something absolutely new and amazing. Paul tells us about it in 1 Corinthians 11 when he said, For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, this is the cup of the what? The new covenant. This is the cup of the new covenant, which is in my blood. And every time you do this, remember me. For this is for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Wow. Remember what Jeremiah, what God revealed? I'm going to, I'm going to share a new covenant it's not going to be like the old one, but this one will be one that's deep inside. And I will forgive their sins and remember it no more. And Jesus goes, now this is the blood of the new covenant. And when you do this, then remember me. So when we come to the table, we actually taste this grace. But then we consume it and it becomes part of of us becomes part of our DNA part of who we are now 269 years ago John Wesley who's known as the founder of Methodism although in my opinion it really should be his mother Susanna but that's another sermon on another day John Wesley, 269 years ago in 1755, after some worship with the Puritans, put together what's known as the Wesley Covenant Service. And on the first Sunday of the new year, at the beginning of a new year, he loved to, to do a renewal service, remembering the scripture that we read and God's covenant with us. So now for us, 200 years after this church was formed, we get to renew our covenant. So I, I want to invite you to hear the introduction to the covenant that was written by Wesley. He reminds us, he said, in the old covenant, God chose Israel to be a special people and to obey the law. Our Lord Jesus Christ, by his death and resurrection, has made a new covenant with all who trust in him. We stand within this covenant and we bear his name. On the one side, God promises in this covenant to give us new life in Christ. On the other side, we are pledged to live not for ourselves, but for God. Today, therefore, we meet to renew the covenant which binds us to God. And I'm going to invite you, if you're able, to stand. 
And hear these words, friends, let us claim the covenant that God has made with his people and accept the yoke of Christ. To accept the yoke of Christ means that we allow Christ to guide all that we do and are and that Christ himself is our only reward. Christ has many services to be done. Some are easy, others are difficult. Some make others applaud us. Others bring only reproach. Some we desire to do because of our own interest. Others seem unnatural. Sometimes we please Christ and meet our own needs. At other times, we cannot please Christ unless we deny ourselves. Yet Christ strengthens us and gives us the power to do all things. Therefore, let us make this covenant of God our own and let us give ourselves completely to God, trusting in his promises and relying on his grace. And I invite you now to to say the prayer of this covenant that is 269 years old. Will you join me? I am not my own I am yours alone. Make me into what you will. Rank me with those you will. Put me to use for you. Put me to suffering for you. Let me be employed for you. Let me be laid aside for you. Let me be lifted high for you. Let me be brought low for you. Let me be full or let me be empty. Let me have all things or let me have nothing. With a willing heart, I freely give everything to your pleasure and disposal. So be it. Amen.